Your classes are bursting at the seam. There doesn't seem to be enough space anymore on the mat for all the students that you have. What do you do? This is a really good problem to have. Your school is growing. Congratulations to you. And I'm going to help you in this episode talk about how to add staff, how to hire the right type of staff role for the position that you're in. But also before that, we're going to talk about steps to take before hiring staff that typically cost zero dollars and can actually help you maximize what you already have going on. This is going to be another enlightening episode of Rank Up with Michael Hodge. So today, like I said, we're going to talk about steps to take before hiring staff, how to improve your class schedule, adding a leadership team, even having parents help, designing classes that don't need assistance, and the types of job roles that you could hire. Hopefully your school is bursting at the seams. Hopefully you're seeing growth happening because people are finding out that you do a really good job. You teach very high quality classes. You're a good person. And by that, I mean you have an authentic way of presenting your school, yourself, your classes, and you've taken the time to do the process. You've taken the time to actually learn how to be a good teacher, how to plan great classes. And when you're out there on the mat, you're in the moment and you're executing. And you do that every day that you walk on the mat because you love it and because you know you're there for them, not for yourself. Now, let's talk about what you would do before you hire staff, though. So your school's growing. And first of all, are your classes reaching capacity? Are they actually reaching their full capacity? Or are you just like, oh, wow, I actually have students now. I mean, if you've been teaching five or six students in a class and now you have like 12 or 14, you're like, oh, man, I need some help or something. I don't know what to do. You should be able to handle a class of that size. Now, it is important that we have a good leader to student ratio. When I say leader, I mean instructor or assistant instructor or even a leadership team member because it doesn't have to be a paid instructor. I like to have a leader to student ratio of 12 to 1 or maybe 15 to 1, but going past that's going to be dangerous, especially for kids. Now, I will admit an adult class can have a larger ratio, maybe even up to 20 to 1. If you have an adult class, though, that has 30 adults in it, 35, and it's just you, that's not going to last for very long. I mean, your retention is going to go down. There's just no way you can interact with 35 people at the level that you really need to be able to do so um, that will keep them with you. Again, I realize there are exceptions. There are exceptions because of one particular instructor's ridiculous charisma or because that instructor is a world champion and everyone's like, I don't really care if I get talked to. I just, I just want to learn. I'm here to learn the secrets. But in normal situations uh, where we're dealing with the typical martial arts school, I would say, um, again, up to 20 to 1 would probably be the most I would do in an adult class. But if you're not really up to those large ratios yet, um, you really need to reconsider the way you're running class. You need to get better at classroom management, get better at using anchors. So let's say you've been teaching a kid's class of six kids, and it's kind of already out of hand. You know, I can't deal with 12 or 13. Now, this is great that I have more students, but they're kind of talking and they're yelling, and I don't know how to do it. You really need to go back and, and study and work on implementing 
anchors and listening positions and a lot of the things that we talk about in the CMAT, the Certified Martial Arts Teacher course, for example, because they will will allow you to run a class of 30 or 40 students or 30 or 40 kids, or you might be teaching 100 kids at a school presentation. It's the same thing. But again, just because I can run a class of 40 students and there's enough mat space for it, that doesn't mean I'm going to do that alone. I know I can do it. But the quality of the student's experience won't be up to par because they're not getting enough interaction. Of course, we have to take into account mat space. And I've even found that when my, when my classes were growing, I would teach kids classes of up to 35 students on Thursday evening. Usually it was our very busy night. Some classes were even 40 students. I mean, the whole classroom floor was very full. There was enough space to train, and I was very intelligent in the types of um, formations that we used and it did work but the class did dwindle back down to like 30 not too long after because it really was too much it, it visually looked like there were too many people on the floor it's funny like people are very judgmental and they have perceptions of things you might have a class of 35 40 kids on the mat and you honestly do manage the whole thing and i love teaching those classes though they were so energetic the room was electric i have to admit that i really miss teaching those those really larger classes. But perception-wise, it did look like we were crowding the students like sardines. And that's a problem because the parents will have that perception like, oh, wow, they just keep adding and keep adding and keep enrolling new students. And then you get the feeling that your child isn't as important anymore and they're kind of all about money or all about adding new students or something like that. Um, again, there's nothing wrong with enrolling a lot of new students, but the way you manage your class schedule and your student instructor ratio, all those things are to be taken into account. So you know when you are ready to make some sort of change when you're not able to do the three touches to every student anymore. There's just too many students on the classroom floor. You cannot connect with the parents and or students before and after class. There's just too many people. There are too many people walking in, too many people walking out. You might get to talk to a few people, but there's just not enough time to get to everyone. And that's a sign to, to keep this in mind. There is a rushed feeling before and after class due to the large amount of people in one place. There's like this herd of people walking out or walking in, and it feels a little bit crowded. So what can we do here? The, ne the first thing that I would do is to improve your class schedule. First of all, if you don't have a rotating or performance-based curriculum, meaning that everyone is learning the same thing at the same time regardless of their belt level, I highly recommend that you do change to this, even if you have a traditional martial arts school that does katas that are specific to a level. Now, you might not be able to, though. Okay, I understand. But I just want to point out, that would be the first thing I would do. If you've been te teaching a traditional curriculum where I have a beginner and an intermediate and an advanced class, and now I've got to offer two of those every week, it doesn't allow you to be as flexible with your classes. And what will happen is you'll have your beginner's class with like 22 people in it, and your advanced class might have like three. What we want to do is get to, you know, at least 60 to 100% capacity in all of our classes. And if they're not, let's say, 60% capacity or higher, you just need to shut that class down, or at least 50% or higher. Like for my full-time martial arts school, for the kids program in the past, we had one early slot on A day. So I'll say that A and B day. A day was Monday and Tuesday. B day for us was Wednesday and Thursday. You might have it different than this. You might have A day as being Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. B day is Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or something like this. But the way that we offered this was a student was able to come to one A day, and they were able to come to one B day. 
And then we had a special Saturday morning class, which was a review class of A and B day. And we actually invited everyone to come if they wanted to. Uh, the class was pretty, pretty packed oftentimes, but it was a third extra review class. You might also have a membership, which allows your students to come to any class that they want to for their age level, for example, or experience level. I do like having the A and B day um, thing, which is what we did for the basic membership. Once you upgraded to black belt training, you could actually come to any class. So we had some of our most committed students come more often than just twice or three times a week, which is great. You know, they're coming four times a week because they're that committed, and uh, we allow them to do that then. So if your classes are starting to overflow, simply add classes where you have open time. You might have only been teaching three classes a night before. Now you might teach four on Monday and Wednesday if those are going to be your most popular nights. For us, our most popular nights were typically Tuesday and Thursday. Now, you can also cut classes that have low attendance. Don't be afraid to do this. If you have a special, let's say, three- to four-year-old class that you offer on Tuesday and Thursday at 5 to 5.45 p.m., for example, and that Tuesday class only has four people that come, your Thursday class typically nine or ten of your kids arrive. If you need to combine that and only teach one class a week on Thursday, or shut the whole program down if you need to, if it's not really your core program. I shut down my three- to four-year-old class, and I even shut down my teenager and adult class later on in my school cycle on purpose because I realized we were focused on being the very best kids program out there for ages 5 to 12. Currently now at the Kids Academy, I only teach really ages 8 to 12. But you can cut entire age groups or other programs that are not aligned with your core focus. What you're the best at. So like look at your class schedule. Are you running a class just because of a special relationship with someone or because you really like this guy who you've been training with for a long time and he comes to your your Muay Thai class on Tuesdays and Thursdays with three other people and you've been doing it for the last three years, if it's not in the best interest, you're, you're just going to need to cut that. You're going to need to move your class schedule around. If you do this, uh, it's definitely much smarter than having to add staff first. I also want to mention that you might want to consider how you're operating your classes. If you don't currently have hanging bags or freestanding bags, which I currently, I, I really like having freestanding bags such as Century Wavemaster XXLs or something like that because I'm able to move them around the classroom floor, do different drills, do different formations, and they're, they're so helpful because I'm able to run a class myself with a pretty good amount of students, and they're hitting a bag, they're walking through line hitting it, or I have people all around the bag striking all at once. Everyone's getting a lot of movement and interaction in. If you're doing drill lines all the time where like someone has to go to the end of the line and you need an instructor at the front of the line, it makes it to where you you limit the amount of people you can teach. So design classes also that utilize partner drills more um, and things that will allow you to teach a bigger class while everyone's still getting interaction and movement the entire time. You can also have, for example, in the kids' class or even in adult class, you could have spectators come and assist in portions of the class, or you can have parents come and help in a kids' class. Uh, they love doing this. You can ask a couple of parents to come up and hold mitts at the end of a drill line or whatever it is that you're doing. They can be involved. Don't pick the same parent every single time and make them do this twice a week or something. It's something I might do once a week, once every two weeks perhaps. Um, it really depends, but I wouldn't overly lean onto them. But what it can do is it'll allow you to, let's say, run a more wave master, like freestanding bag-based class on A day. On B day, you could do really partner drill-based class. The next week on A-Day, maybe you do want to do something related to drill lines, 
but you're the only instructor, you could have a couple of parents come out and help you out. So it's something you can do, again, without even having to have anyone on your staff. This leads me to creating a leadership team. If you don't have a leadership team in your school, it's something that I urge you to create. Now, if you just launched your school and you only have beginners, white belts, people who have been with you for a short period of time, yeah, it doesn't really make sense for them to get to be on the leadership team yet. I would at least wait till your school is a year in before you would do a leadership team. But a leadership team, first of all, you can charge extra for it because you're actually teaching leadership if you do it right. Um, it's something where what I recommend is having a once-a-week leadership class. Or it could be twice a month, or it could be even a once-a-month leadership class. And you're actually doing lessons over leadership. You might have your students do assignments and community action that teaches them how to be real leaders in the world. And you also have them work on learning how to become a martial arts instructor. You teach them how to run a drill. You have each student go up there, whether it be adults or kids, and they actually run a warm-up or they teach a particular technique. So they're learning how to become great teachers, public speakers. They're learning about how to give feedback properly. A lot of things that can come in handy regardless of what sort of job they take on later in their life or even if they're adults, it could be related to something else in their life. And then the other aspect of leadership team is if you're on the leadership team, you get a very special looking uniform. Everyone knows that you're on leadership team. And also you are required to assist in one class a week that's not your own class. So let's say you come to your regular Monday, Wednesday, 7 p.m. class. You have to come to, let's say, the Tuesday night or the Thursday night class and be an assistant. And when a leadership team member is on the floor, they have a certain way that they're going to act. They know what they're supposed to do. They're at the front of the room, typically, moving along with the entire class as if they're a student or... If you have an odd number of students, the leadership team member can fill in and be the partner, which is extremely helpful. Um, you could have the leadership team member know when to set up mitts for you, when to set up equipment, set up equipment, take down equipment, hold bags, be a, a, demonstrative, a demonstrative student for a particular drill. It's, it's so helpful to have a leadership team member in your classroom. You can run a big class with one or two leadership team members, and you don't need to hire someone else in this case. And it's extremely beneficial for the leadership team member students. They absolutely love it. They take pride in being a part of this. And your parents for a kids program, for example, would absolutely love this. Um, I highly recommend creating a very effective leadership team and making it meaningful and making it more than just getting free help on the mat. I mean, make your leadership team class very special. Become a role model beyond just teaching martial arts to these kids or to adults even, and make it a transformative, transformational, really, experience for them. And it will also help you a lot in being able to run larger classes. Now we're going to talk about making the first hire. Who is the first person you should hire in your martial arts school? Whether, whether you have a small club right now, maybe you have 80 students, 60 students, 100, 150 even, I don't know. The first person I would hire is an administrative assistant, someone who is your front desk receptionist. This person can help you in so many ways. Really, you're going to focus on the classroom floor. You're going to keep planning and teaching amazing classes. You can do a mass intro every Saturday morning and enroll new students. You can be doing upgrade conferences or black belt training trials. You can be doing marketing throughout the day, doing school presentations. You can be doing community events. 
focus on all that yourself as the, the owner, the head instructor and everything. Your administrative assistant, though, during showtime is what I call it. Showtime is when people are actually walking in the door and they're coming to class. This person is there at the front and they're answering the phone. They're greeting everyone who's walking in the door. They're replying to any inquiries that are coming in, let's say on Facebook or through the website. They're setting up appointments for you. They're you know, making, they're handling customer service. Someone who needs to update their payment account if they need to, or uh, they can take payments and sell equipment and do things at the pro shop. They can also work on marketing actions. So don't be afraid to ask your administrative assistant to call leads that you got or to make some phone calls to set up an event at a certain place and things like that. And you can kind of work them in so that while they're there from 4 to 8 p.m. or whatever it is, you can get a lot of value out of their time more than just sitting around waiting for the phone to ring. Um, they could be sending out postcards for birthdays of your students. They could be checking in on students that haven't made it to class in the last week. Um, so you really want to have a simple checklist that they do every day. And this is someone you can pay hourly. Uh, you don't really have to pay a huge amount typically. Make sure someone is clearly a people person, right? Uh, just very kind and fun to talk to. And they're organized and able to take care of themselves. I mean, you're not going to be over there checking on them. You're going to be on the floor teaching class typically. Um, something else is I'm from Texas, so I always hired someone that was bilingual. And it was extremely beneficial because I was able to have people walk in the door that previously wouldn't have walked in the door. And back when I ran my full-time commercial school, I was just learning Spanish. I wasn't fluent in Spanish as I am now, but my administrative assistant was fluent. And that got these individuals in the door. And once they came to an introductory lesson or a mass intro, I knew just enough to be able to do the enrollment. And of course, I taught the lesson in English, though. Um, but I, of course, I, I got to learn a lot of Spanish along the way, and, and, have, and now I can actually speak it very well. But I, I just want to point that out as well. If you happen to live somewhere in the world that's bilingual or multilingual, um, to definitely make that uh, an impactful aspect, perhaps, of hiring this person. The next hire that I made in my original school was assistant instructor. And this was because my school was growing pretty fast, and I didn't yet have a leadership team because it was so new. I had a lot of beginners. I didn't really have anyone. I couldn't launch the leadership team yet. So I hired someone. I paid them hourly. They came and they helped me run class. That way I had someone else giving more interaction, talking to parents, everything else here and there. So that's what happened there. And your assistant instructor, if you train them and you give them the opportunity to step into the spotlight, they could definitely become an instructor and run their own classes, which would be great. Um, which is a possibility. They might just help a couple of days a week. Maybe your Tuesday, Thursdays are super busy and you need someone and you pay this person to come in. Now, clearly, if you could hire someone that you had a previous relationship with, such as uh, a student of yours from the past or someone that you've trained with at your previous school or something like this, that would be ideal. If not, you could look for someone on the outside by doing a job posting and finding a quality person who's clearly a martial artist but who has a good character and who can work well with kids and adults, and of course that you can trust to be on the mat with you. The next job role is instructor. This is someone who actually runs a full class on their own. And this is an instructor that would be paid hourly. So they wouldn't have a salary, they wouldn't really have bonuses. It's possible at some level you could be adding in a bonus related to the retention or the growth of the school. I would definitely wouldn't do that out the gate though. They're responsible for planning classes, for interacting with students, teaching classes, and possibly 
retention, missing in action calls, other teacher-related communications. So let's say they have their attendance that they take and they notice a student doesn't come into class all week. It will be most impactful for that instructor to send a message or through some sort of communication application or whatever you might have, or make a phone call personally. Now, you could have your administrative assistant do this. You could have someone else do it, but it's really most meaningful when the actual instructor of the student communicates that. Now, that's really what their focus is. So they're not doing a lot of other stuff. They're not coming into the school at 10 a.m. and doing marketing all day, this or that. This instructor just walks in the door at 4 or 5 p.m., for example, or whenever your classes are, and they literally get paid hourly. You could also potentially pay them by class. It could also be a contractor if you hire an instructor to run it in a completely different program. So let's say you're a Taekwondo instructor, but you know someone who's a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. You hire them and you pay them a certain amount and they're a contractor actually because they're running their own program. They have their own curriculum, they have their own class, or maybe you uh, give them a percentage of all of the tuition revenue from their particular course. But again, that's an instructor and it's someone who's not really at the highest level of the business responsibilities. But it, again, the instructor is the product of your school. That's why you have to invest in staff training. You have to make sure you're watching class. And whenever you have, uh, of course, you might be teaching another class at the same time in another room. Maybe you have a two-room school or multi-room school. But you need to be um, keeping quality control in place, right, with someone whenever you hire them. Uh, you don't just train them and then let them go. It's a process that takes time. Another job role that you might hire once your school is growing a lot more is the program director. So until this point, as the owner of the school, you're most likely doing these things, but the program director is someone who is responsible for marketing the school. They're setting up events. They might be setting up school presentations, potentially. They might be setting up uh, other different types of marketing actions and campaigns, and they're doing communications. They're setting up appointments, introductory lessons. They're, they're running mass intros. They're doing the introductory lessons. They're doing upgrade appointments. So they're really enrolling new students and upgrading new students and handling the, the enrollment, the people side of the organization outside of just teaching class. It definitely does work better, though, if they also help teach some classes. I know that in some schools you have a program director that, that doesn't teach at all. They just do the introductory lessons and they sign people up and they just kind of walk you to the back office and everything. And it's kind of weird and a little, I don't know if I would say sleazy, but it feels too salesy because they're not actually related to the teaching process. And they're the ones who are enrolling you and telling you all about the benefits and even doing your first lesson with you. So it's definitely much more effective whenever they're related to the instruction of the school at some level. This person might have less martial arts experience, though. So they might not even be a black belt. They might just be, let's say, a blue belt or something. And they can still be very effective because a good program director is, again, someone who's good at selling. And by selling, I mean connecting someone's the benefits with the necessities or needs that someone has. Um, they're good at communicating. They're good at talking to people and just making someone feel at home. So it doesn't feel like you're being sold to, but you're just being presented the options and the benefits. And, and this is where you sign to move on and be, become a student into the program. Program directors are typically paid with a base salary plus a commission bonus, or you could pay them hourly and give them a commission bonus of some sort related to the amount of students they're enrolling or upgrading. Now, your school might not even need a program director because what I found through running my schools in the past is that you sometimes have to modify your staff structure based upon the people that you have. So if you have someone who's a really good head instructor, 
but they're also really good at doing the marketing and the enrollment side. They might teach half the classes and then also do the introductory lessons and the mass intro and handle the marketing full time. And maybe that's you. Maybe you're really good at all that. Maybe you're an amazing instructor, but you're just not as good at being responsible for some of the marketing and for the enrollment side. And you find someone like this so that as your school is growing to 100, 150, 200, 250 students into all those different stages, um, they can help you handle this growth, growth while everyone is focusing on their strengths. The next job role I'll talk about is head instructor. The head instructor is ultimately fully responsible for the curriculum. They're responsible for testing and graduations, training other instructors, keeping the team on the same page. I mean, from the out the gate, right, launching a school, you're the head instructor. Um, they may also be involved in marketing. They may also be the manager of the school, but they might not be. It, it kind of depends on the situation. A head instructor is typically paid with a salary or hourly. So typically, I would still recommend this is someone who probably started as an instructor and you keep paying them hourly, you might give them some sort of bonus based upon retention or, or you know, based upon the overall growth of the school. Or you might even make them a full-time employee with salary if your school is getting much larger. Let's say you're also running an after-school program and they're teaching a lot of classes and this is their full-time profession. You could actually be moving them into a salary. I would always recommend just from previous experience to start out with hourly and what I found is that if you start someone out with a good salary and you start giving them raises and all these other opportunities too fast, it can really be detrimental to the quality of their work and to their longevity with your school, which again, I'll talk about that in a little bit when I talk about some of the mistakes that I've made with staff. The last role I'll talk about is manager. So this isn't really something you wouldn't hire a manager outright, like from the outside, but this will either be you as the owner or the head instructor or the program director. The manager is just someone who is very good at taking on the responsibility. They're full resp fully responsible for profit and loss. They're responsible for placing orders for equipment, creating and initiating marketing campaigns, handling staff scheduling, payroll. Like They're the leader of the school. Again, this is going to be you unless your school grows a lot more. You could have a head instructor or a program director take this over, and that would put you in a position where you're not as involved in the business and you could open up another location if you would like to, if you really perfected your process and your people, right? Which is possible to do, but you need to make sure you really have everyone in place and don't jump in too fast to that next location or to that next stage of growth. But the manager, again, is something you wouldn't hire out, but is someone you could be promoting from within to at some point. I want to talk about some jobs that you should actually outsource because you might very well be so busy doing things that you shouldn't be doing. Um, you, your people need to be focused on teaching amazing classes. That's really what you're here to do. If you have a good marketing engine in place, if you have timeless marketing happening, you've got a lot of Google reviews and Facebook reviews and you're doing Facebook ads and you're getting referrals all the time and you have really good SEO, people are finding you on Google or on the internet quite fast. You don't have to, you don't have to walk around and hand flyers out all, all day long. You don't have to push yourself so much on the marketing side of things. So you and your people, your instructors that you pay hourly can just focus on teaching amazing classes. You could focus on teaching some as well, overseeing everyone, and then also just managing the entire school and the school's growth. But some things you should definitely outsource. One is accounting. It's a good idea to 
have a, a good CPA or even an automated accounting program, something where you're not having to just manually do all of that. Next would be billing. This is a really important one. I know a lot of schools that they are doing billing in-house or whenever someone needs to change their credit card or get a refund or, or all these, okay, a refund's a different thing, but change their credit card, update their credit card, inquiries on payments, and they contact you and they contact you and they check on you and they check with you about canceling. You want to make it really clear what your cancellation policy is. And you also want to make it really clear that all you have to do is log into this account and you can update your card whenever you need to. You can retry a payment if it fails. Let everyone handle the, their own billing by logging into a website. Um, highly recommend that. It's going to save you a ton of time. And uh, that's a lot. it'll make you a lot happier. Another one is cleaning the school. This is something I never outsourced whenever I ran my full-time commercial school. But if I ran a large school again right now, I actually would outsource this. I would have someone come in once a week, a company or you know just a cleaning woman or lady, whoever does this contractually, and and pay them to do a really good cleaning of the facility. I thought that you know my team needed to do it. That's just what we did every Saturday towards the end of the. We would clean from like 12 to 3 p.m. every Saturday. And I know people didn't like it. I didn't like it either. Just like, hey, it's just what we do. We take care of this place. And I would, if I if I could change something, I would definitely go back and have hired someone to come in and do the cleaning. Now, again, every day, every morning, you're going to need to do a quick cleaning here and there, or, or every afternoon before class starts, you could have your instructor do that. No problem at all. But I'm just talking about a, a more in-depth, you know, cleaning. I would recommend hiring someone. Okay, another one is online marketing and web design. You shouldn't have to deal with managing your own website all the time. I mean, you can log in and add things to your site. You should have something that's very simple to manage. But regarding online marketing, it's a good idea to hire someone to do this or hire a firm that's very good at managing Facebook ads, Google ads, making sure your SEO is as high as possible. Highly recommend outsourcing this because these people are professionals. They're focused. They're able to leverage their skill set and their time and their energy into what you're already doing. And again, they're going to allow you to have a flood of new students coming in through the internet, which is going to be your primary source of new students. At the time of recording this, it is. I mean, in the future, maybe something totally different would happen. But right now, it's just so important, and it's very important to just teach amazing classes because people are going to talk, and people are going to tell their friends, they're going to tell everyone around them that they should totally come and check out your school. So let me go over some mistakes I made with my staff. One is putting some of some instructors on salary instead of hourly. I hired a couple of instructors outright as salary instructors because I'm like, okay, I'm making a good hire here. I want this person to be full time with me. They're getting paid well and they're going to do marketing and everything throughout the day. And then in the evening, they're going to teach classes. And then I can give them opportunities to become a manager at some point and give them a profit sharing bonus and all these cool things. Like I was trying to create a path that I personally would want to take. I'm like, I want to hire a really high quality person. And idealistically, it made sense to me. But these really, really high quality people that I had in my mind aren't oftentimes looking to be martial arts instructors or they already run their own school. But you can find people who want to make extra money on the side or they might even have a job during the day and they just love martial arts. Or they, of course, hiring from within is by far the most important thing to do if you can. Whether it be an adult from your adult class or even spotting a parent that really loves what you're doing and inviting them to the adult class, training them some as a martial artist and then hiring them on as a staff member. But paying someone hourly out the gate at the beginning especially is a very good idea. 
And it allows you to have someone prove themselves to you. They're here because they want to teach. They're here because they love your school. They're here because they love the students. And they're making money too. It's not that it's free, but of course, since they're actually on staff and they're getting paid, you have the ability to actually hold standards in place. Um, but you're not making as big, you know, thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollar year commitment or whatever it would be for salary, and you could pay them an hourly amount or even a per class amount potentially. Another big mistake I made was allowing an advanced student who is also a parent volunteer to help in class. This was a really bad idea. I, I, it's so easy to get caught in this. You love a parent or, or a student, for example, that say, "Hey, I'll come and help you out. I'll come and help you in class." And they come out and they walk on the mat and. And they're helping, and they're holding mitts, and blah, blah, blah. But what happens is that they're not on leadership team. They're actually paying to be a student at your school, right? They're not on leadership team, though. And they're they're not getting paid. So they're going to show up late. You know, I had this person, and he would come in. He was like, yeah, I'll come and help every Tuesday, Thursday at 5.15 class, whatever. He'd show up at like 5.22, walk on the mat, putting his belt on back there. He would walk on the floor and start teaching a class within a class, you know, doing things that weren't on the class plan because he didn't know what the class plan was. He just was, he was coming in to help. It's like he had the best of intentions, but the problem is he wasn't actually on my team. He didn't show up on time because of this. He didn't wear the right uniform on time. He didn't know the class plan. He wasn't in our staff meeting. So it's very dangerous. You should have someone who's clearly in their lane. They're a leadership team student and they know what they're supposed to do, or you have someone who's getting paid and they also know what they're supposed to do. Also, this is a big mistake I made. I overloaded my instructors with marketing tasks and lofty numbers goals. I was very aggressive about, hey, we're going to enroll this many new students this week. We're going to get this done. And then all the boom, 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 all these marketing tasks. So they had a lot of things that they needed to do every week and they burned out. So I've learned that, again, I don't currently run a larger school, but I have a few friends that do. And they, they're much more successful now with hourly instructors who just focus on teaching great classes and they don't have to worry themselves so much with marketing and having to hit their goals and having having to hit their numbers regarding new enrollments. So that's something that I learned should really be left up to the owner or outsourcing help having some marketing help or even having a program director do that. Also, a mistake I made was being passive aggressive when things weren't done right or my way. And this is because of my personality, which I'm getting much better at, but I really don't like conflict. I don't like to make someone feel bad because I'm so grateful for what they're doing already. And I wasn't very direct about what our standards were and about what it is that they did didn't reach up to standards-wise. And um, you need to be very clear, very truthful, very open, very honest, and make sure everyone knows it's okay to feel the feelings that you have and to speak the truth about it. If you create a culture like that, your whole team is going to be much more successful. Everyone's going to be much happier. And this is, is going to be sounding really weird, but I was too giving and too generous with my staff, actually. My staff, they too generous and too giving, like, up front. You need to give your, your people time to prove themselves. You need to give people time to show that they're really in this because they love it. They love what, what's happening. They love the students. It's not just about money or getting the next raise or about the awards. I mean, I, I had a, a program where one of my staff members won a cruise, for Christmas, I gave one of my staff members a laptop and another one like a $500 gift certificate to something. Like They got these really crazy um, things. I wanted to take great care of them. I really, really appreciated everything they did. But it was like almost too much, like spoiling someone, spoiling a child. And I realized that that was a mistake. Um, you can still treat people with great respect and admiration. 
and, and love them and pay them well. And, and I'm not saying to pay them nothing. Um, and of course, show them little aspects of appreciation and have your team go out for dinner and things like that. Um, but be careful with giving too many uh, like opportunities for raises and advancements and awards um, too fast. I think that that's something that I found was a problem. Another mistake I made was making my staff profit-sharing partners in the business. I, I would say it was a mistake because what I did is I tried to give them more responsibility and then I said, hey, now you're going to get paid a percentage of the profit. You're all partners in the business. And I stepped back really as somewhat of an absentee owner for a period of time. I was still somewhat involved, but not as much because I wanted to see if this was their opportunity to take over the school and run it so that we could then potentially open up multiple locations if we wanted to. It didn't work out as well as I thought. Um, so I just wanted to point out that in my particular situation, it didn't work very well. Again, these were people that were only with me for a year, year and a half. If I have someone that's with me five years plus and they transitioned from hourly and they ended up even becoming the head instructor and the manager, and this is the sort of person I would probably make a profit sharing partner in the business to keep them with me even longer and to really help grow the whole organization much further beyond where we're at. But I wanted to point that out as well. So I really hope you enjoyed this episode. I really dumped a lot of information on you, but I think you have a better idea of the different types of job roles that are out there for a typical martial arts school. Clearly, there are lots of different unique situations, but I just wanted to give you my particular um, situations that I've gone through in the past and give you my real experiences, and I really look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Take care, everyone.